Welcome to Glass Bones Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Burke. Joining me today is my co-host, Kyle Franz. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. I'm super excited what we got today. Should be a fun show. Looking forward to it, that's for sure. We have a lot on the docket for today, so we're going to hit it and we're going to get it done. So we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup final right now. That's going to be our first thing that we get to. So just thoughts about where the series is at. So we're recording this on June 8th at around 6 o'clock p.m. So as of right now, Florida is losing the series 2-0. Vegas has the two wins in Vegas. We're headed to game three at 8 o'clock tonight. So Kyle, give me your thoughts on the series so far. Maybe, just maybe, I might get something right for once. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, it's a long way to go still. We've all watched hockey our whole lives and it doesn't I mean two nothing we've seen it happen. Um but Florida really, really needs to change a lot. And it's hard for me to really see them changing enough to come back in this series. But game three, I I, I know there's a saying people say like series don't start until a home team loses, mm. which mm-hmm. I get makes sense. Um, I'm excited to see the adjustments on the matchups to see if they're going to try to get Petrangelo away from that top line, try to try to match up a little better, get Carlson away from them. But I still don't think it's going to be enough. Um, Vegas is – they've been just killing they, – they killed them. They, they wasn't even close. To me, game one was a little bit – the score was close, but in my opinion, the play really wasn't that close, especially the second period. And Florida was lucky to come out of that one 2-2. But, I mean, game one was a blast of a game to watch. It was one of the best of the playoffs, honestly. But game two was a – you could just tell Vegas was the better team that whole time. Um, When it comes to goaltending, I know a lot of people have been jumping on Bobrovsky. But this is the fourth series in a row that Vegas has played. That's like, well, the goaltender's got to be better. The goaltender's got to be better. It's like – I mean, they destroyed Hellebuck, they destroyed Skinner, they destroyed Ottinger, and they're doing it to Bob now. And I see you have it up there, that, but I have the stats written down. <laughs> Hellebuck, 0.886 save percentage, Skinner, 0.875, Ottinger, 0.877, Bob, 0.826. <laughs> I mean, that's not the goaltending. We just named, especially three of the four, Yeah, probably top five goaltenders honestly in the league yeah and one of them's the rookie of the year or going up for rookie of the year so you don't they're not playing against you know it's not like Alex Lyons playing it's not like they were playing against bad goaltenders so it's really incredible what Vegas has done um I'm curious to hear what you have to say about the first two games yeah, I wanted to touch on that the statistics for the goaltending cuz that is literally the the epitome of shredding the goalies. Every single one they face, they have shredded. And that's just a testimony to how good this team is. And I was big on Florida coming into this series. I had I had picked them. I thought they were going to win. Now, obviously, the series is not over. But I'm very nervous because this Florida team is in complete control. Everything that Florida is trying to do to get into their head is not working. It's just... It doesn't matter what Chuck does. It doesn't matter what Cousin does. It doesn't matter what Lombard does. It doesn't matter. They are literally, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. They are 
ineffective by everything that Florida's throwing at them. And I think that that bodes well for their chances of a Stanley Cup win. And they just look complete. Like, there's no, nothing wrong with this team. Like, there's, there's just, they're bulletproof right now. It's the way they're playing. And, you know, something else that, that I wanted to bring up, which I'm not sure if you saw this one, was 20 years ago, San Jose traded away its number three goalie, Mika Kiprasov, who had just turned 27 for a draft pick. He promptly led his team to the Stanley Cup final and nearly won the Conn Smythe. Ten months ago, San Jose traded away its number three goalie, Aiden Hill, 26, for a draft pick. That's crazy. I did not know that. (laughs) Honestly, did not know that. I I really didn't. That's crazy. Yep. Yep. So, uh, I think whoever wants to win a cup next year just needs to trade for San Jose's third goalie, because I think that's going to bode well for them. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. You brought up Aiden Hill. I mean, we can't go through this conversation without talking about his save. I mean, that was... I'll never forget that save, honestly. Um, I mean, just me personally, like, thinking back on saves. Like, there's saves in my mind that I never forget. Like, I have a whole bunch of them in my head. Like, Tim Thomas, obviously being a Bruins fan, but having Tim Thomas in that cup run, you know, game five, overtime, double overtime, Montreal, best save I've ever seen. Like, there's saves that you just don't forget. Mm -hmm. That one's one that's just locked in the brain. I mean, I could go on and on of different saves, like not just Bruins worth, but like Henrik Lundqvist and Mon- against Montreal. I guess maybe I hate Montreal, <laughs> uh, but like Mark Andre Fleury, oh nine Stanley Cup, obviously the Braden Holtby save. Like you don't forget saves like that, and I think that save is just going to go down as it could go down as one of the best ever. And to all those people out there that say Nick Cousins needs to finish that play like just shut up (laughs) give him credit for that save like he everyone that plays hockey knows if it's a tic-tac-toe play like florida set up it's a goal it's an easy tap in like every single time just give credit to the goalie there he did not quit on the play his whole body was out of the net but his stick never moved like it was that's incredible goaltending there and he's been playing out of this world this series. Well, all playoffs since he's come in, really. But, mm-hmm. um, well, I don't even want to say he's been playing out of this world. He's just doing what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. Vegas just needs a goalie to not let the weak goal in. To just, when you we need you, big penalty kill, which they don't take penalties. Vegas is so perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, that save was just... Probably my favorite save since the whole B one, but it's incredible. <laughs> Sorry, I talk about goalies a lot. I love I love seeing saves like that. Those are my favorite things about hockey. Yeah. On to me, goalies never get enough credit for what they do. So I'm big on, on goalies and what they do and what they bring to the table and not oftentimes being credited the way it should. Mm-hmm. And that frustrates me because they should get more credit than what they did what they get credit for. So that's fine with me. And yeah, it was. It was an absolutely amazing, amazing save. And I don't think we. I need to go into depth on, on that, but I do want to hit on, I think Hill's been exactly what they need. And while I don't sit here going, Hill's the reason they're going to win the cup, because quite frankly, I don't think he is. But at the same rate, he's saving everything he should. And that is more than some goalies have been able to do. I mean, there's countless goalies that can't stop the easy ones and he has stopped all the easy ones plus 
most of the medium ones and a bunch of the hard ones too. So like he's doing what needs to be done and that's the important part to me is like, yeah, he's, I don't think that you put him on, you know, Vegas, or sorry, you put him on Arizona or Chicago and he's going to have above 900 save percentage because I don't think he's the reason that they're doing so well, but he's doing exactly what's needed. And sometimes that's so easy to overlook of like, oh, well, he's just doing what they need and that's fine. It's like, but no, but he's still doing it. He's getting it done and that's what matters. And so while he's not my Con Smythe vote, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get votes for the Con Smythe. But yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, he's, everyone's talking about Bob like they should, how great he's been and everything. He's got a 925 save percentage. Hayden Hill's got a 937. So it's, 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 it's crazy. It's very impressive what he's done. But I think that's amazing that the Sharks have given up possibly uh i mean i'm not going to talk about ian hill like he's this he's mika kippersoff but it's yeah. it's that's crazy though that's really funny yeah. um i don't know if you saw the stat of the i think it was in the last 15 years that the teams that have come back from o2 there's only been well no not there's been 15 teams that have been down o2 but only two have come back in one uh, okay and it was Pittsburgh in 09 and Boston in 11. Oh. Um, the reason I'm really concerned for Florida is I went back and looked at those. Well, Boston, I knew they lost um, one nothing in game one with 19 seconds left in the game. In game two, they lost in overtime. So both of them could have went their way. They were both very even games. Vancouver just took two games. Um, Pittsburgh lost two games. three. To, they were both 3-1, to one, I believe. Um, but both very close games, shots were even, everything was even. There was just a very close game. So that's not surprising. It's just the adjustments that Florida is going to have to make to make this a close series in my eyes is just, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask for. And it's a collapse for Vegas in my eyes at this point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think their chances are? Do you think there's any chance they, I mean, do you think there's any chance they go back 2-2? I guess that's the question, because that's got to be their goal at this point, just to make it a best of three going back to Vegas. But it's hard for me to see it. But I don't know. What do you think? I think they're done. I mean, I I, I think they're going to win one of these two games. I think they're probably going to win tonight because they're in Florida. The fans will be there. I think they're, they're going to have the home change. And I think that they know if they don't get this game, it's completely over. And quite frankly, I think if they don't get this game, there's a very good chance they don't get the next one because Vegas is going to go into overload mode and just get it done. Um, but at the same rate, this Vegas team is so good that it's just hard. It's hard to imagine there's a possibility of it not being Vegas's cup this year. Like, it's just... So, but at the same rate with that, there's still like you have Matthew Kachuk and that is a big part of this. But I also think that the, the, the problem is Florida's taking way too many penalties and that's killing them. But which that can kind of transition into one of the, the questions that I have for you is the officiating in this, the past two games for the Stanley Cup final. What's your opinions on it? Um... It doesn't upset me as much as it's upsetting other people, I think. I mean, it's it's so hard to tell because game two was over by like midway through the second period. I mean, 
I guess it's never over, but we, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. Um, I don't know. I don't really have, I don't, I didn't really hate, I can't think of one off the top of my head that like I hated that call. Um, I don't know. I, do you, do you disagree? Do you think it's been bad? Cause I don't think it's been that bad, but I might not be, it's, it's hard to tell because like I said, game yeah. two barely was a game. Every penalty they call in the first was a penalty. Uh, I mean, I hardly saw. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, in game one, I wanted to bring up because you know I've complained about Paul Maurice like complaining about like constantly yelling, and he was screaming after the Montour penalty on Marchessault, which led to that goal, the first goal of the game. He went in with his two hands like in the air yeah. and hit him in the head after he was already checked yeah. cleanly. Like, you just can't make that play. Like, was it really that violent? No. But what are you doing? Why are you making that play? So, I mean, they were all upset about that. And then, of course, you know, oh, they got two power plays. We don't have any. All that BS that I've already complained about before. But um, that was my, that was the one that I remembered. But I can't remember anything that really bothered me. So, um like I said, I'll let you give your opinion because I don't really, I don't know, nothing's really bothered me about it. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's just the watching the beginning of the second game, Lombard took a cross-checking penalty almost right after something similar had happened, and they just didn't call. They didn't call it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, they're gonna let stuff go," and I'm like, which is what I want. I want it to be they're forced to call it. It's this has to be called. That's what I want to call it in the Stanley Cup final. I don't want this ticky-tacky, oh, he touched my stick. I don't want that crap. Montours was a penalty. You, there's no reason to check that guy there. None. Your hands are up. There's just nothing. I don't, I don't. The only reason to complain would be if they gave him a five. That's not a five. It's a two. But they gave him a two and you move on. That's a bad, bad play by Montour. And I think that this series is kind of showing the, this, the lack of discipline on Florida. And like, Montour has taken a lot of dumb penalties this off this postseason, and this is kind of showing again. So, I don't. I'm not sitting here and go, "Oh, the refing's horrible. It's horrible." I was just curious about your thoughts because it's been kind of criticized. I've had some people say, "Oh, the, you know, the refs and the, the refs, the refs, the refs, the refs." I don't really feel that. I feel it's been. I think that there's some stuff that they should have called that they didn't. I also people are complaining about. Aiden Hill cross-checking, or sorry, slashing Matthew Kachuk right in the chest. To me, that's what Matthew Kachuk gets for being who he is, because if you watch the clip from the prior 20 seconds, like, he's literally underneath of Hill, coming out of the net, like, pushing against him for no reason. And so, to me, if you do that to a goalie and he hits you in the chest, that's what you deserve. So, I'm okay with either one of two things, either calling both or calling neither. And so he chose to call neither, which I think is fine. Like I, I really don't have a problem with that. So I, I don't, I'm not here going, oh, the refing's horrible. I was just curious about if you had a different view, a different view on it than I did. But that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't really have an opinion on it because I didn't really haven't had an issue with it. I mean, that's just me personally. Yeah, I, I think I saw something about that. People complaining about that Aiden Hill slash, and I'm like, I mean, go watch the video. Um, I'm pretty sure Kitchuk gave him a nice little shove. Not nothing violent. I love it. I love that hockey. That's the best. 
that's Stanley Cup final is what you want. But, I mean, he did shove him as he skated away, and Hill reacted like we've all would have. And this guy won't leave you alone. You know his mouth's running every single time he's around that net. Um, I didn't even bat an eye at that. I just went, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> That's literally all I said when that happened. And then I heard people complaining about it. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I didn't even think that was even a thing. So, yeah, realistically, I, I don't have an issue with anything. I did hear some people were talking about it last night during our men's league game about they were complaining about the penalties and stuff or the lack thereof in some cases. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. And all the Kitchuk 10-minute uh, misconducts and stuff. Like I said, game two was over. Mm-hmm. Like He shot a, a fan through a rat on the ice and someone threw a... He shot the rat at the Knights bench. I mean, yeah. not at anybody. It's all good. Come on. What are you going to do? They didn't give him a two-minute penalty. They didn't do it. They're just like, you're going to cause fights. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a huge fan of that idea always but like they do it all the time it's not just because it's Kachuk like I've watched it with Marshawn every single game if they're down by a couple goals he gets kicked out it's Mm -hmm. just how it works it's the reputation you brought most 90% of the time it's effective but sometimes you're going to get kicked out of a game for no reason (laughs) so I've had no issue with it I love it. I love the if there is something that's been awesome about the Stanley Cup final, it's the physicality. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got to bring up the hits. The hits that have happened in this has probably been the hardest hits I've seen in a long. I mean, the Barbashev hit on yeah. Gudis might have been one of the hardest checks, like besides Jacob Truba, <laughs> that I've seen in a long time. I mean, Gudis is a big boy, and he went down like he was. Nobody. Nope. So. <laughs> Barbershev is so solid. Yeah. So solid. I mean, realistically, at this point, yeah, I have the talk. Like, that's the best trade deadline acquisition, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not even really close. <laughs> so, yeah. he's been so big for that team. He's going to get paid this offseason. So. $7 million is what I'm expecting. Yeah. Going I from mean, one point he's going to get paid, but he might get overpaid. <laughs> oh, he's going to get overpaid, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Real, real quick on the power on the power play penalty coupling, real quick. Florida went over four. Vegas went two for four. So it evens yeah, so out. What are, we gonna, what are we even discussing? You got to score on your power plays. Yeah. So yeah. and. 84 penalty minutes to 64 penalty minutes, which is awesome. I love seeing that. I, I quite frankly love seeing people getting tens and thrown out of games because it means they're in it. And it's also, you know, you know that there's a lot of talking going on and stuff. And hopefully there's some hot mics that we'll hear later because I love hearing those guys go back and forth at each other. It's so awesome. Right. Um, but then the hits, I mean, Florida had 44 hits that game. So Vegas is 24. Yeah. But, and then the, uh, <laughs> uh, the Matthew Kachuk, the uh, Kachuk train tracks, as uh, Coach Shippy calls it. That was, I mean, I thought that was a great hit that Eichel just, some of it was he had started to put himself in a bad position and then he toe picked and really put himself in a bad position. But I felt like that was a very, he was eligible to be hit. 
Eichel hits, or sorry, Kachuk hits straight shoulder. He just hits really hard. And so I did not have a problem with that hit at all. Hmm. And I know that some people are like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's Kachuk and he's dirty. So it's clearly a dirty hit. To me, it was simply he was going for a puck. Eichel's carrying the puck. He puts himself in a bad position. Kachuk takes it, you know, and he, he goes after him. And, I mean, thankfully, Eichel plays, you know, he, he steps off for a little bit, but he plays later in the game, so we're all good. But to me, it was one of those things where, like, I was just such a great hockey hit. I loved it. Oh, I watched that hit all day long. That was perfect. Everything about that was perfect. And then I also heard people, I don't want to just stick on the people complaining, but I heard people complaining about how he got kicked out the 10 minute misconduct after that hit. It, it, once again, game was over. Great hit. It had nothing to do with the hit. It had nothing to do with the hit. But once again, the refs want to try to keep control. I don't always agree with it, but mm-hmm. that's how they're going to call it. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep control of it? This guy just hit our best player on a very clean check, but very hard check. They're going to want to kill him mm-hmm. the next time he steps on the ice. So what do you do? You get him out of the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just get him out. They didn't give him a two-minute penalty. They didn't give him anything for the hit. So, But sticking to the hit, holy crap. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> and it's, you know, I think I, I was listening to a podcast. And I forget they were talking about it, but they talked about Michael skating. Just the way he skates, and mm-hmm. we all, we, you talk about all the time how he digs into the ice so well. That came back to hurt him on that play, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. <laughs> he went to do his deep dig and toe picked and just fell right into that check. <laughs> but I love his reaction after the game. It's just like, it was a good hit. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get out of the truck, the uh, Matthew Kachuk train tracks there. Yeah. Trucky train tracks. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so realistically, I mean, that's all I got about it. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see tonight the coaching adjustments, like I said earlier. I'm just curious to see. I'm going to be watching that close to see what Florida is going to try to do to, one, clear their net, and two, get in front of Vegas's net. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing tonight. So. Yep. Absolutely. It's going to be a great game. I am so pumped for it. So as long as it doesn't end up another 7-2 game where halfway through you can be like, yeah, I can turn this off because it's done. But I don't think it will be that game. I think it's going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a good game tonight. And they're going to have to – Florida has to get shots through. They Vegas blocked so many quality chances, and that just can't happen. They've got to get those pucks through. So, yeah, it'll be a good game. For sure. Yes, sir. For sure. (laughs) All right, so we'll move on to some stuff that's happening around the league. So we have a couple signings. So we have the Cole Caulfield, the Gavrikov, and the Anthony Ciu contract. So Kyle, why don't you give me your, your thoughts on the Anthony Ciu contract first, and then we'll go back and forth on the other ones. Um, yeah, I'm um, sorry. I'm trying to look it up because that literally just happened not that long ago. So I was trying to find the exact number. Do you have the numbers? I think it's 2.45. Wait, okay. It is. Sorry. I'm oh, sorry. It's 4.25. I'm a little dyslexic. <laughs> okay. Two years, 4.25. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had a. I don't know. I think this is just a deal that Chicago brought him in last year on a one year deal to see how uh, 
see if they could get something out of him. Um, he, uh, I mean, we all know his skating ability, how fast he is. And I, if I'm Chicago, I'm trying to get him not locked up, but I, I like it. I like the deal. You're going to mm-hmm. be bringing in Bedard. He's a nice player to have next to him. He's probably going to be his winger. Um, he ended up, he had 20 goals, 20 assists, 40 points last year. Um, yeah, I I mean, I like the signing. I don't mind it. I think it's a team that's going to need to fill some cap space. And um, he already proved like he fit on the team last year. And yeah, I don't, I don't hate the deal. Yeah, I like it. I think the cap hits too much for him. But I also think that that's their way of getting to the salary cap floor. Right. So it's kind of what it is. And I think that they're, I think they're anticipating, okay, we'll bring him in for, he'll be here for this full year. He'll get to play with Bedard. Hopefully playing with Bedard will increase his trade value and then trade him for a good asset. I think that's kind of the thought, especially with that. If he has a really good year this year, you can trade him as an extended rental with that one extra year and you can still take money back on it if you choose to. So I think that's the thing that, you know, like if you're if you're at two point one two five, like that's nothing for somebody who potentially could put up seventy points this year playing on Bedard's wing. So I think it's a really good no brainer move for them. I think it it makes sense. I don't care for the the cap hit, but at the same rate, it's just one of those things where you need to do what you need to do. And yeah, it may have been a little bit of an overpay, but they have plenty of cap space. And it's such a short-term contract that it's not going to kill him. So, I like it. Yeah. What about the Gavrikov contract? Um, yeah, I, I like the Gavrikov. I mean, honestly, I was expecting it to be more. So, mm-hmm. frankly, I'm perfectly okay with that being just a two-year deal. I like that. Um, I, I think he brings some good... Um, some extra defensive strength to a team that concentrates a lot on their defensive game. And I think he fit in very well at last year. I love the extension for him. I mean, we'll talk about how they ended up getting him locked up here soon with the trade, but um, I think he fits that team perfect with what they need. And I, the cap hits what I'd expect for someone at his caliber. So I have no issues with that one either. So far, so good with the signings. Yeah, I like it. I was actually, quite frankly, shocked by the only two years. I thought he was going to get a seven-year contract, quite frankly. And so I'm a little bit surprised by that. I think that that was Rob Blake doing some magic, quite frankly. Because, yeah, 5.875 might be you know a little bit pricey, but... I mean, he was making two point eight last year. He's got a. He's definitely just one hundred percent deserved a, a pay raise. So, I think it's a good contract. I think he's a really good fit in L.A. He's he was a good piece coming over and and somebody that they they paid a decent price for him and then he just he played really well while he was there and even putting up. I mean, he had nine points in twenty games, and he's not a goal scorer. Like <laughs> three goals. He had he had as many goals in twenty games with L.A. as he did in fifty two. With Columbus. Now, I mean, obviously Columbus wasn't great this year, but, well, quite, quite frankly, Columbus was terrible this year, but, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I like it. I think it's a good it's a good contract for him. It's a good contract for L.A., and I don't see any, I mean, I don't see why that would be, why that wouldn't be a great deal. 
So we'll move over to Caulfield. So we have a eight year, $62.8 million deal, 7.85 a year. I'll take this one first. I think that that was a very good contract for him. I think that he could have argued for more. He could have went, no, I want more. I want eight and a half, nine. And I think that he could have justified asking for that. I mean, 84 points in 123 games, you know, like 26 goals in 46 games this year. He's somebody that he's going to be a star. He's going to be an absolute stud for them. I think this is them, both teams going, okay, we're going to give you money now, anticipating you're going to grow into that value. And then hopefully in years like six, seven, eight, you're going to be worth almost twice that and be on such a, it's the same thing that, Colorado did with Nathan McKinnon that I think he was making 5.4 or whatever, 6.3, I forget which one it was, before his big contract. And the last like two or three years, it was like, wow, this is such a steal, like absolute steal of a contract. So I think that that's one thing that Montreal did very well with, with Caulfield and they locked him up long term, which is also good. They got full, they, they have the full 11 years that they were hoping for when they drafted him. They now have. So, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a great contract for both sides, honestly. I think it was very smart of him to take that deal because, I mean, I think I heard comps, like it's around what like Jason Robertson got. Uh, there's a couple other players I can't think off the top of my head, but um, I love that for, as a comp standpoint. I mean, 46 games, he had 26 goals last year. So, I mean, this guy's a pure goal scorer. I mean, he's... And to top it off for Montreal's side of it, to get him locked up like that, I mean, I have my opinions on how they got there, but he did prove he can succeed in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these players get these big deals, never played a playoff game before. So in my eyes, that's great value for a player that's already had a deep playoff run and was a big part of that playoff run too. Um, so, yeah, I like the deal for him. Uh, I think, I guess, I don't know. They, I love, I really like the core that they're building around with Suzuki and now Caulfield and Sikowski coming up. That they're gonna, they're building the right way. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, honestly, I think in the next couple of years they're a team to really watch out for because they're really building something up there, and it's pretty impressive how they've done it because they went to the Stanley Cup final. And then had a terrible year, but I really think within three years they're gonna be right back in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Especially once they acquire Carter Hart from Philly, mm. that's what everybody thinks is happening. Yeah. Sorry, that's not happening. They're not acquiring Carter Hart. That is not what they need. I surely but, hope for your sake you are correct. I'm I'm okay. I'd be okay with him going to Montreal, but we don't play them that much. But it just is a trade that doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why. People are like, oh, he's going to Montreal. But anyway, that's a whole different subject. That's a whole cap-friendly armchair GM podcast we have to do. Just looking through all the random things that happen and the people that, oh, we're going to swap. We're going to swap William Nylander for Brett Pesce and Martin Neches because that's the same value. But anyway. <laughs> yep. Fans will always be fans and people will always be crazy. It's just how it works. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Oh, man. All right, we'll move over to the coaching. So we have two coaching hires. One is official, one is not official yet. So Anaheim hires their coach. They have uh, – remind me of his name. <laughs> I was hoping you wrote this down. Uh, um, I totally blanked on his name. You probably should have done this before. Yeah, it's all right. We're figuring it out. Uh-huh. Hashtag don't hate us. <laughs> Don't hashtag anything, please. Uh, I do what I want, okay? Oh. I'm pretty sure that this is your job. Somehow. I mean, I'm pretty sure you wrote it down. Greg I'm pretty Cronin. sure. Dang it, you just beat me. You suck. <laughs> Actually, I, I should have known that because I literally just listened to an interview <laughs> with him on a radio show up in Canada. But See? Um, probably should have remembered that. <laughs> He's a super Boston guy. I know that. Uh, um, the, no, oh, I yeah. mean... I think that, I mean, there's not really much to say about the hire because we don't really know much about him besides he's, they promoted him from the AHL job and he's probably, you know, I'm sure they're looking at it going. He worked with some of the players that are, they're planning on calling up in these next couple of years. So good development coach. Um, I'm excited for him because I think it's always like cool stories and, you know, he's been coaching for a very long time and here's his first chance in the NHL so good for him hopefully uh, he can change that team because mm-hmm. I want the Ducks to be good again <laughs> it would help if they got the first overall pick but yeah that's a later segment and a later show anyway yeah I I don't have much to say I don't know too too much about him he's you know he's been an assistant coach he's at the NHL level he's been a minor league coach stuff like that so I like that these teams are not just recycling the same old coaches every single time. It's cool to see new faces and guys get shots. And I think that the fact that he's been in their organization has helped, will help with that too, moving forward. But yeah, so that's, I mean, again, not much to say on that one, but there will be, I'll have a lot more to say about the next one, which I'm interested to see what you have to say, which is the hiring of Babcock in Columbus, which is not official yet, but it's all but official. I'll let you take this one first because I want to hear what you say first. <laughs> that's, why, uh, that's why I jumped to take Greg Cronin. I wanted to hear what you had to say this time. Fine. I'll talk about how much I hate Mike Babcock. I'm just kidding. I don't hate him. I just, I don't think this is a good hire. Um, I don't know why you'd be looking at a Mike Babcock for this team. I'm guessing that they think they're a playoff team. And that he's going to be the push that gets them there. I don't think they have the centers for it. That's their biggest downfall. And also, who's their goalie? Because Merzlikens was awful this year. I mean, awful. And we'll get into more of that stuff when we break down the the Metro division. But at the same rate, like... <laughs> I don't think that hiring a guy who's got a super spotty pass was the was the right decision for this team at this time, especially because he's somebody that he wants, you know, like, um, I don't even know coaching style exactly what he's looking for in his guys, but I just don't see it being a fit. I really don't. I also don't see, I mean, quite frankly, I know that everybody was, you know, super, oh, he's one of the best coaches and blah, 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 blah. To me, he was, is one of the most overrated coaches in history. He has one cup, and he's had 
some very, very good teams that he's coached that he has done nothing with. So, yeah, you have one, but it's the same thing with Dan Blysma. I don't think that was Babcock's Cup. Babcock's Cup, I think it was. It was I don't remember who was in Detroit before he came on, but it's the same thing with Blysma in, in Pittsburgh. That was not Blysma's Cup. That was Michelle Terrian's Cup. 100%. And Wiseman just happened to be the person that came in, and it wouldn't have mattered who it was. They could have hired me for that job, and I wouldn't have gotten to, a, to the, the final. I would have gotten the cup. That's, that team was ready for the take the step. They just lost the locker room. And that's kind of what I think with Babcock. I think he's somebody that, yes, he has a cup, but I'm not impressed by that on his record. I don't think that – I think he's somebody that should have a much better record than he has. And regular season's great, but – only means so much and I know that there's obviously some regular season coaches but to me I would have rather have seen them go with more of a development guy or somebody that is going to be not as questioned and something that you might be firing in two years but you know anyway so yeah I don't think it was a great decision I don't think it was a great hiring but we'll see what happens yeah I mean I I kind of, I'm kind of on board with what you're saying when it comes to the current. I mean, I don't dislike Babcock as much as a lot of people do. I know he does have kind of a bad reputation. Um, I just think he's he's very hard on his players, and he just he expects certain things from them. And I mean, I don't use the whole Toronto, um, the Toronto years as anything because I mean those players are proving what the problem really is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this current Columbus team, I don't get it. I would I would have thought if you wanted to go to the veteran route that a guy like Peter Laviolette would make a lot more sense. But again, I mean, you got to assume they did their homework. And I, I mean, I can't sit here and say I watched, you know, any more than five Blue Jackets games this year. So maybe they think Babcock can come in and really help their team discipline and their team structure a lot more than a guy like Laviolette could. But at the same time, he just signed a superstar player in Goudreau to what, in a seven-year deal, and he's only one year into it. I mean, you got to be careful who you bring in. And the one player that I don't think I've even heard anyone bring up, but... I mean, how's Patrick Line going to play for this guy? Mm-hmm. I just don't picture it. Mm-hmm. I really don't, which I guess begs the question. We have a full offseason ahead of us here. Uh, will he be traded this offseason again? Mm. Um, that might be in the plans, and maybe they go bring in some, you know, some better players to play under a guy like Babcock, but I don't really understand it either. But, hey, that's once again, like I've said a bunch of times on here, that's why we're sitting here, and they might prove us wrong. But I, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it working, me personally. So I'll let you uh, transition us into the next big news. <laughs> yeah, we have a big trade, and with one swelf, with one stroke of a pen, Danny Briere has shown Chuck Fletcher what it means to be a GM. It's great. It took him all of one move. So yeah, we have Ivan Proboroff headed to Columbus in a three-team trade. So Vegas, sorry, jeez. So 
Vegas is in, oh my gosh, did it again? <laughs> wow. Yeah, the double Vegas. Uh, I think it's the whole four hours of sleep last night. It's getting me. <laughs> so we have LA's involved. So LA moves out. They move out of Cal Peterson's contract, which is a great getting out of for them. They send, in return for that, they send Sean Walker, they send Helg Grands, and they send a 2024 20, second round pick to Philly for that. Then Philly receives from Columbus a first round pick, which is a 22nd overall, which is ironically the Kings pick, and a 2024 second, which is conditional. So the conditions on that one are they can decide after the first round if they want to send that year's second or the following year, 2025 second round pick. And then the Kings... Um, received Kevin Connaughton, they received Hayden Hogson, and then they retained 30% of Proveroff's contract, which is just over $2 million. And then Columbus receives Proveroff, and that's what they received. So I'll move from left to right here from the cap-friendly viewpoint. So I'll go least amount of acquisition to most. So Columbus receives Proveroff. I think that that's a good pickup for them. I think that He's somebody that using a – he really could use a change of scenery. I think – I mean, he's 26 years old. He's not old yet, but he's somebody that needed a fresh start. I think in Columbus, he's not going to have a lot of pressure. He's also going to be behind Wierenski, which I think is good because there's not going to be this pressure to be, oh, you've got to be the the best defense left shot defenseman on the team because he's not. Like, Wierenski is just better. But I think that's a good move for them, and I think it's – for what they gave up, I think it's more valuable to have for Roth, which I like. And, I mean, it cost them a first and a second. And a first, so in essence, they swapped uh, two expiring pieces in Gabrikov and Corpusalo for his first round pick that they added a second round pick to and swapped for a 4.725 for Roth for this year and next year. I'd say that's very good asset management from Columbus side. So I like it for Columbus. From the Kings side, they don't get much. I mean, they get Connaughton and they get Hogson and then they get some dead cap, but they move out. Um, so I guess for them, they're moving out Kyle Peterson, they're moving out Sean Walker, Helge Grands, and then a second round pick. So I think that they're still. Moving forward, the getting out of the $5 million Kyle Peterson contract is huge for them. They need that cap space, which is what we we're insinuating when we were talking about the Gavrikov contract and then freeing up the space for him. That enabled them to sign him, which I think is a much better deal. They paid a lot to get rid of his contract. That is a steep price to pay, but it was necessary and it was a good move. And so then moving over to the Flyers, I think that. They got, I mean, it's funny because I never posted it, but I had made an armchair GM and I had the value of Provorov being a first and a second round pick. That was a, the value I had for him. So I think that that was good value for him. And then getting Sean Walker, getting Helge Grants, and getting a second round pick for Pe- with just so you can acquire two years of Pedersen, I think that was a great, great move by Danny Breer. 
And Sean Walker is somebody that I think that they're going to keep and then flip, I think is probably what the idea is. And so you may even get even more assets for that. Plus, Cal Peterson may come back to form and you may be able to trade him too, which I don't hold high hopes on that one because I don't think he's, I don't know. I don't know where he's at. Um, so, but yeah, that's kind of my opinion on it. I think that all three teams will won, and I think that that's what you would love to see in NHL trades is that they all got what they needed and nobody left going, well, I just got hammered here. I think that Danny Briere may have, maybe the team that walks away, or the Flyers, I should say, walk away with the most assets out of it, out of it but I think that it was really good for all the teams. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, honestly, I don't really have much more to touch on. I think you hit pretty much everything I'd want to say, especially about Provorov. I mean, I'd say for Columbus, honestly, if you like, I was sitting over here just, this is the first time I really pulled it up like on Cap Friendly to like look it through and like really, like I saw it and I looked through it, but like Columbus really didn't give up that much. Like if you really look at it, like, and they get LA to take 30% of his contract. I mean, Columbus really gave up a second round pick. I mean, when it's all said and done, if I'm looking at this right, mm-hmm. and was one of those AHL pro- or any of the prospects from them? Nope. No, no, yeah, they're mm-hmm. not. So yeah, Columbus gave up a second round pick for Provorov when it was all said and done. Everything else was done between LA and Philly. So yeah, if, um, from Columbus's side, this is just a big win. I mean, you're bringing in Provorov, and they're going to be paying him four point seven two five on the cap. I mean, that's mm-hmm. great value for what he brings. Um, for I agree with LA they cleared up the space to be able to sign Gavrikov and honestly after that contract came out they cleared up space to do even more so mm-hmm. I really like that value for them and then Philly heck of a start for Breer and mm-hmm. Jonesy I mean I've said it before um, I'm pumped for them I think I cannot wait to see what they do mm-hmm. and very very good start in my opinion a plus plus start for them um, and yeah i'm just gonna kind of leave it at that like i said i don't really you you kind of hit on everything i was gonna say so mm-hmm. i i like the deal for all three teams and i don't know if i've ever seen a three-way deal where i went all three teams literally get an a for this deal mm-hmm. yeah especially when it's not a one team is eating part of somebody's salary like minnesota with the o'reilly deal it's like Okay, like that's not the this kind of three way trade. Like this is literally, uh, excuse me, all three teams are moving people out, and all three teams are moving or move, all three teams are moving assets out. All three teams are moving assets in, and to have that and and do so well, it's just awesome. So yeah, so we're gonna move on. So we have a listener question, which is awesome, and we love to hear from you guys. So keep sending us your questions. So before we go in, so the so this person's name is Zach Burke, which is my brother, in case you didn't know, and for all the listeners who don't know who I am. And so he had asked us about a redraft of 2015 and 2011. So we will get to those, Zach, at some point. <laughs> uh, we will get to those at some point, whether Kyle wants to or not. And... 
but we will not do those right now. We will do those a later, at some point in the summer when there's nothing else going on and we need something to do with ourselves. So the question that he has for us though is, what do you think of a deal sending Logan Couture to the Avalanche at 50% salary? Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pull up Colorado's line parents now. Just a reminder, because it feels like forever ago <laughs> since we watched them. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, first impression, I mean, not moving anyone off of their current roster. I mean, that's, in my opinion, that's almost an upgrade to what Nazem Kadri brought then. Yeah, looking at their team now, being able to shift Lars Eller down to third. Again, I don't have contracts or anything in front of me. I'm going based off this. I don't remember everything. Shipping Alex Newhook down and throwing Couture in that lineup. They're winning the Stanley Cup again next year. Mm-hmm. With the healthy Landis God back and every Well, he won't be playing next year. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that would be literally a perfect fit. Um Especially, like, I mean, we said that on the, I'm assuming he listened to the last show and we were talking about the Sharks and we said that if someone is looking for a second line center, I don't think there's a better option if you can get San Jose to take 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think Colorado would be the perfect fit for him. Yeah, I agree. I think he would be such an absolute great asset for them to have. Great asset. But... What are you going to have to pay for four years of salary retention? And that, to me, is the problem. And that's where I – and also has a modified their trade and is a captain. I'm not sure that Greer wants to do that quite yet. I think that on the hockey side of things, I think it makes perfect sense. But when you factor in the mm, – yeah, and see, that's the other thing is they still have two more years of Brent Burns' salary retention, which means that I don't think it can actually happen because if they trade Carlson, they're going to have to retain salary, which means that they're not going to be able to trade Kater with salary retention because simply because of that because you can only have two. Right. So I think it's a great idea, but I don't – the only way it would happen would be if they pay somebody – a third team to take part of the contract, and that's something that that would be a hard sell. Yeah, as as you're talking there, I quickly went on Cap Friendly and looked them up. And Zach, I completely agree. I think when it comes to hockey, perfect, perfect uh, spot for him. But I just went on Cap Friendly. They have thirteen million dollars in cap space with five forwards signed next year. They have Andrew Cogliano, JT Comper, Lars Eller, Darren Helm, Matt Nieto, Evan Rodriguez, all UFAs, mm-hmm. and Dennis Malgin and Alex Newhook, RFA. And defense aside, they have Bowen Byram, RFA, Jack Johnson, Eric Johnson, UFA. So, yes, sticking to when I was on daily faceoff looking at the lines, perfect fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Flip the tab, go to Cap Friendly. That's tough to work out. Now, again, I think when it would come down to a trade deadline acquisition, which is probably what it would be if I had to guess, that would be perfect add to a team. Mm-hmm. But again, when it comes to salary cap and stuff, that would be tough. I yeah. do agree with that. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the amount of money that they have to spend this offseason because they have a lot of work to be done. I mean, it helps that they'll have the seven and a half, or whatever it is, seven and a half, seven one that Landis Cog is owed, they can use, which that's helpful. I think that's going to enable them to resign Comfort. But then you still have, like, Byron's going to get a big raise. And I think that they're going to be forced. I think this is going to be the year they have to trade Gerard. And they may have to decide on if it's Gerard or if it's Taze, because I don't know that they can keep both of them. And or, or they get really, well, I don't want to say lucky is the word, but um, me and you both said the day they signed Valerie Nichushkin that this is a buyout waiting to happen. And yeah. we're only one year into this. They might get lucky that, you know, whatever happened with him, they get out of that deal somehow, some way. But I mean, if they don't have that deal, I feel a lot more confident about that team going forward and and adding Couture to that team would make a lot of sense. Now, again, like you said, I agree. There's so many other things that go into it. The value, they, I mean, the first-round picks, and I say picks with keeping mm-hmm. four years of that 50%, it would take, but Colorado might do it because that would definitely give them a chance to go at another cup. Yep. They have all of their first-round picks the next three years. They also have Oscar Olsen, who's their first-rounder from last year, I think. Oh, they should just trade Alex Chichenia for him straight up. That's a trade. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they, they really don't have that much in their minor league or in their system either. And they have – they're picking this year. They're picking one, five, six, seven. That's the picks this year. Okay. So next year they pick one, four, six, seven. The year after that they pick one, three, four, five, six, seven. So they have the first, but they don't have much after that. So I don't know. It's because of how, if Katerin was signed for two years, I would say absolutely. I think they did. I think it would be done already. Quite frankly, especially actually, I think that if it was two years, they probably wouldn't ask for salary retention and just take him because of Landis Scott being on IR. Mm-hmm. And then you know you have, you know, what you have. And that's the thing. And I also think some of it depends on your skin and what they're doing with him because, yeah, that's that was not a great contract. And now they got to figure out and there's obviously some personal stuff going on that not has not been um, released yet. So I don't know what's happening with him. Right. But, and obviously, unfortunately, with what's going on over in Russia with Ukraine and everything, the Russian players are getting crapped on left and right. And I, so that, and I also know that that leans into the political side of things. That's difficult where we're just casual fans. We have no idea what's happening with like what's going on with his family and all the stuff that happens over in Russia and stuff like that. So don't want to speak too much on that because I literally don't have any idea, but just from the money aspect, it'd be nice to have that 6.15 to spend differently than that. Yeah. Yeah. But Thanks for the question, Zach. That was fun. Keep sending more in. Yeah, that's what we'd like to hear. Um, I do have one fun thing I want to do for you. I uh, I want to do a. I want to start trying to do this a little bit more, especially when we have like episodes like this where we're just kind of talking and not really have like a topic. We're kind of just going along. Um, It's just kind of like a guess the player, like little game. So. I'm just going to give him a lot of his like career accolades a little bit, teams he played for, uh, when he retired, all this stuff, and see if Matt can guess it. And anyone listening, if uh, 
hopefully you can get it before he does because that'd be fun. Um, so are you ready? All right. He's a he is a defenseman. He was drafted in the sixth round to the Philadelphia Flyers in 2001. He played 859 regular season games, 69 playoff games. He played for the Flyers, the Coyotes, the Hurricanes, the Panthers, the Bruins, and he finished with the Islanders. He retired in 2019. He won one Stanley Cup and one Calder Cup with the Phantoms. And I have one more hint, but I'm going to let you think it through real quick. Okay. He was drafted in 01. And to anyone listening, this is a... It's it's not like a deep, deep cut. He's a very well-known defenseman. If you watched hockey and paid attention to hockey throughout the years, but uh, he, he, in my opinion, was one of, if not one of the best matchup pairing defensemen that I, I, I loved watching him play. When I was growing up, I watched this guy play and just loved everything about him. He was a left-handed defenseman. Uh, I'll just give it to you. He's from Germany. From Germany? Oh my. Hold on, hold on. I need to, I need to think about this. A German defenseman that played for the Flyers. This may be a little bit before I got into seriously watching hockey, so I may not know. Although nineteen in nineteen, I would have I would have been watching. Did he play in nineteen, or did he? It was nineteen when he announced his retirement. He retired after the eighteen season. Okay, so he played eighteen and eighteen. He played seventeen years in. Well, not necessarily. Probably played fifteen. Um. He's German. Wow. I think you may have me completely stumped. Yeah, I was curious if you'd get it. It's it's a tough one. I, I didn't make it easy for you to start. I mean, I like that. <laughs> what years did he play for Flyers? Um, you know, it just it just closed me out of the page. I had it up. Um, he played for the Flyers. From two thousand two to uh, I'm sorry, two thousand three till two thousand six. Oh, okay. Yeah, then I definitely wouldn't know he was a flyer because I wasn't watching at that point. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I made it difficult. I was trying to find like an old time flyer that went on to have like career with like a bunch of different teams. I was like, yeah, be fun. The German aspect should definitely give it away because I should know all the German players because there's just not that many. He honestly, for a long time, I believe I, I don't don't quote me on this, but I believe he was one of, if not the only ones, playing in the NHL at the time for a very long time. He, I know he was very loved over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought he won the Stanley Cup with Carolina, but apparently he did not. Hmm. I don't know. I can't think. Hey, you giving up? I I have to, I have to throw in the towel. I can't figure out who it is. Right. It is Dennis Seidenberg. Oh my! Oh, <laughs> I'm stupid. I knew that. I did. I knew he played for the Flyers. I knew who he was. Couldn't bring, couldn't think of the name. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. No, but yeah. I mean, well, if you have any different ideas of how you want, how uh, we should 
do this game, but I think it's a fun game for both of us to do. Um, I just think it's it's always fun to try to go back in time and think of fun players. And like I said, growing up, or yeah, well, I guess kind of growing up, um, I just love the way he played. And him and Zidane Chari together, all those playoff runs with Boston was just so fun to watch. So uh, yeah, no, that's that was fun. That was fun. And if you have any any ideas, listeners, as to some games we can play, some things you want us to hot takes or whatever, anything that you guys want to see us do or have us or listen to us do, we'd love to hear from you guys. Love the feedback. And on that, we have added a poll to our Stanley Cup preview episode. So in that episode, we talked about the Kyle and I both meet, excuse me, Kyle and I both made teams that we think would win a cup under the cap. So we could pick from any team, pick any people we liked. Only restriction was they have to be under the cap. So I had linked both of those teams in that episode. And then I also just added, or we just added a poll to that of you guys can vote, you, sorry, listeners, you can vote on that. So if you want to head on over there, the, the poll is good for three weeks, I believe. And then it closes. So we'd love to hear from you all and have you vote. That'd be great. We, we love the feedback and we appreciate all the people who give us their time and listening to us sit here and talk about hockey. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there and make sure that everybody is aware of what's going on. Yes. Uh, I got one more quick thing, real quick. Um, people, if you haven't yet... Do yourself a favor, Friday night, 6 o'clock, if you have ESPN+, Plus, tune in to some professional lacrosse league action. Um, the first week happened last week, and it was very entertaining, a lot of fun. Um, Friday night, 6 o'clock, Chrome versus Archers, and then at 8.30, in my opinion, the two best teams in the league are going at it, and the Water Dogs and the Redwoods. So do yourself a favor, if you're not doing anything Friday night, hop on ESPN+, Plus and give it a shot because lacrosse is a, is a growing sport right now and is very, very entertaining to watch. So if you're not doing anything, do yourself a favor and give it a shot. See what you, let me know what you think. I can second that lacrosse is so much fun to watch. I just started watching because of Kyle and it is a blast. So do yourself a favor, check it out. It's great. Good. I'm all good. All right. That is it for this episode of Glassbones Hockey Podcast. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. We appreciate you all, and we're looking forward to hearing back. Thanks.